Welcome to Biblical Perspectives on Aging, the podcast where you and your church will find answers to the difficult questions that arise as we grow older. On behalf of Baptist Homes and Healthcare Ministries, this is your host, Dr. Andy Brams. Welcome to Biblical Perspectives on Aging. This week, we continue the interview with Steve Mosley on the impact that COVID had in Chillicothe and on making plans for the care of aging family members. If you missed last week's podcast, we invite you to listen to part one of this discussion entitled The Impact of COVID. And don't forget to click subscribe to hear more great conversations on applying biblical perspectives to aging. Here's the rest of the interview with Steve Mosley. Okay. I want to take one more offshoot from that question, if you don't mind, Steve. Mm-hmm. You mentioned mm-hmm. talking to your own pastor. Mm-hmm. As as a pastor, how has how helpful has it been? Again, you have an administrator. You have the the people in the office that are administrative in nature for the Baptist home, but that, that presumably are Christian as well. But having your own caretaker, so to speak, that that pastor that shepherds you, that leads you, that provides care for you. How have you drawn strength from that? Because he was going through similar challenges from a church perspective. And like you said, the, some churches handled it better than others, obviously. I don't know about your church specifically, but but he's dealing with that. And yet you needed him as a pastor yeah. to for him to be your pastor in that sense too. How, how, how did that sustain you, provide hope for you? How did you use that to then carry that forward or carry that downstream, I should say? Yeah, again, that's a, a work in progress because we had to be cut off from the community, from the church to protect our residents. Mm-hmm. Okay. So when others were choosing to go back, we weren't in the place where we could yet. Okay. And then, frankly, when I went back and most people were not wearing a mask, I could not in good conscience say, this is a place that I can safely be in order to protect our residents. Sure. And so Rob was not a help pastorally from that standpoint. He was a help to me as a friend. Okay. And Rob and I have been friends for many years prior to him being my pastor. And so we were able to talk and share about the difficulties from different perspectives about things that we were dealing with. And uh, both of us could relate to no matter what decision someone was going to say, that's the wrong decision. (laughs) You know, we we get that anyway as leaders, (laughs) obviously. But in that context of COVID, it didn't matter what he was doing he was being criticized. And so we were sometimes laughing, sometimes crying, sometimes commiserating, you know, just about the the context of things that we were going through. And so he was very helpful okay. as a friend. Okay. But because I wasn't able to go to church, you know, many times prior to COVID, I was out preaching somewhere. 
uh, else. And so being at church about 50% of the time in the months leading up to COVID, thankfully, him and I, we were getting together on a regular basis outside of church. And so that was extremely helpful. Again, there were dynamics of things that were going on in the church that I had lost touch with experientially not being a pastor in a local church. Sure. I, I am still getting used to the uh, term pre-COVID numbers and post-COVID numbers yes. and, and you know what the churches are trying to do to recoup where they were before COVID hit because most churches are not up to the attendance that they were prior right. to COVID. They're still working. Some people believe that may take another one or two years to fully get back. So that's been a real a learning curve for everyone uh, involved. Okay. Well, thank you for, for all that clarification there. And, and obviously, as you said, we're we're not out of the woods with COVID yet. We may never be in some ways, but... We yeah. are fully vaccinated and we're thankful for that. Uh, yet the DHSS regulations, you know, they're not just for our facility. They're for all the facilities in the state. And so we uh, still have to be far more restrictive than we would like to be. But thankfully, families are coming back in, visiting their loved ones, and that's made a, made a huge difference. Great. There is one more thing that I would like to add. You know, difficulty and challenges bring opportunity as well. We, we know that. We understand that. One of the things that COVID allowed us to do, me in particular as the campus pastor, is reach out and have a very, very bigger presence in the family. Tragically, it was COVID that uh, caused that. But because loved ones could not come into the facility, we had to be creative. So we learned FaceTime. We learned Google Duo. We learned about how to communicate. We sent pictures. We made phone calls. We made video calls. We did a lot of things that we had not previously done. Okay. And I would say that I was close to the families prior to COVID. Not really. I've become far closer with families because of COVID. And I wish that it hadn't been COVID that caused that change to happen. But I'm glad that it has happened. And even though we're not doing near as many video calls, we now have the ability to do that. We have the access to do that. We have some technology that we're utilizing to reach out to our families who are going through their own dynamics as well, just as everyone is. So. Sure. And, and approximately how many residents do you have? So when you say families, for the audience, give us a perspective of how many families that are involved in this. Yeah, so uh, full, we are at about uh, 55. And right now we're right around the 40 number mark. And so then when we're dealing with family, we definitely deal with one family member for every resident, if not multiple family members members within uh, a resident. So those dynamics are, are different in every family. And so having a ministry to about 60 people that haven't been able to come into the facility until the last month, it was over a year. That's been a, a huge blessing, huge blessing. Yeah. Well, great. Well, let's, let's talk about family for just one moment as we mm -hmm. prepare to conclude. For someone to 
have to make a decision to place a loved one in a care facility is not an easy decision. What would you say to that person? How, what counsel might you give to that person as a pastor in general, perhaps, but more specifically as someone who is involved with the Baptist home and knows the ministry of the Baptist home, how, how might you help them to see that as an important decision for them to make for the purpose of the resident or the potential resident in this case, the family member, rather than just saying, I'll put this off as long as as I can. Yeah. The two biggest phrases that I tell family members is make a decision before the decision makes you. And we just don't like to do that. We do like to procrastinate. We do like to put it off. We do like to deny that there's things wrong. We don't want to confront in love because we don't do it in other areas of our life. Why should we start doing it when we're dealing with a aged loved one? Mm-hmm. And things like taking the car keys away are some of the most challenging things that children do. But I go back to being a parent of a teenager. If all you try to do is be that person's best friend, and you don't be the parent, and you make the hard calls that need to be made. Well, as we age, those roles reverse. We all know when it happens. We can point to an incident of when those roles reverse. And then when we become the parent of our aging parents, we have a hard time being the parent. Hmm. And we don't stand up to them when they are wrong because the gap between what they can do and what they think they can do is wider and everyone sees it except the individual. What what amazes me is we see it in others. Residents see it in others. Had one lady who has dementia that is on about a 15-minute cycle, she looked at another resident and she goes, she's crazy. (laughs) I just laughed. I just laughed because we recognize it in everybody else, but we don't recognize the changes that happen in our own life. When I put a camera up to many of our residents, they look at it and they say, who is that? Because the image that they have in their mind is far younger than what they are. And it doesn't matter if they see themselves as a 30-year-old, as a 50-year-old, as a 70-year-old. What they think in their mind and the reality on the outside that everyone else sees is different. Hmm. And so I, I try to counsel with family members is have a plan. What is going to drive the next decision? Because every decision that's made takes away independence. Mm -hmm. I thought when I came to the Baptist home that the hardest decision would be to move into our independent living apartments. No. That's a hard decision. It's even a harder decision to move inside to the assisted living wing. Well, I thought that would be the hardest move. No. It's moving from assisted living to intermediate care. I thought that was the hardest move. No. If you're put on a certain hall that has a reputation among the residents that that's where you go to die, that's the hardest move. 
all of those moves, you're giving up more and more independence. And so when residents have certain behaviors, it's because they're fighting for every ounce of independence. And the only time that they can get someone's attention is by acting out in a certain way. And if you don't realize that and approach that with love and approach that as normal, all you're going to do is you're going to fight. And I see children who are trying to care for their aging parents, either in their own home or go over and care every night. And they wear themselves out because all they end up doing is getting in an argument because they don't understand the dynamics of things that are going on. Because you can help, it's, it's just like the marriage counselor. You can fix everybody else's marriage while your own marriage is in trouble. You can help everybody deal with their parents. You can't deal with your own parents because it's too personal. It's too personal. And the reality is when we are dealing with our aging parents, we have to confront our own mortality as well. Hmm. And the only thing that's worse than dealing with someone else's mortality is dealing with our own mortality. And so when we are confronted with the issue that our parents are not what they used to be and we miss that, then we realize, oh, wait a second, I'm not, I'm not what I used to be either. And, and so every stage of aging is a different dynamic of grief because we're losing, we're losing, we're losing something each and every time. And we frankly don't deal with loss very well at any stage of our life. Yeah, that's that's a good word. I, I in, in the classes I teach for, for young ministers, I often tell them, you know, they'll say, well, you know, the old people in my church don't like change. And I said, that's because they have more change in their lives than you can fathom. It's just the church is the one constant that they want to hold on to with that. So, Steve, I, I appreciate this, your words today. Is there anything else in general that, that you might want to share with the audience today uh, that I haven't asked you perhaps? I would just say speak honestly. Speak honestly with your parents and make that decision before the decision makes you because too many people wait for a stroke or a heart attack or some incapacitating fall or some diagnosis of an illness that is irreversible before they ever contemplate what they might do. And because they haven't given thought to it, then they're in this struggle of what do I do? How do I do it in the midst of trying to be the caregiver? And as I've said uh, to many, many people, if you are the loved one and the caregiver, being the loved one will always take a back seat Hmm. to being the caregiver because the caregiver is the most demanding aspect of the relationship. Now, some people do that out of love, and that's terrific. That's what we want. However, there comes a limit to where uh, 
People can't do it anymore for a lot of reasons, a whole lot of reasons. And we, we cannot feel guilty for decisions that we've made together. Mm-hmm. Most often we feel guilty because we make those decisions in isolation. Mm-hmm. That's where the guilt comes from. Great word, Steve. What, how, how can the audience pray for you? Well, they can pray for me in uh, dealing with the residents, the staff, and the families, but I would ask that they pray for our residents because the isolation that they feel on any given day for a whole host of reasons is something that we cannot imagine or understand. We think we can. We think we know their pains. We think we know what they're going through. We have no idea because we're not their age. I I had a conversation with one of our residents who was a pastor, and I tried to think about some of the things that he must reflect on. And when I asked him what, what kind of things he reflected on and he told me, I was so off base. Hmm. And it was just humbling because the things that they go through are far different than what we think they go through. So pray for our residents. Our residents definitely need to be lifted up because as we have on our conference room door, Psalm 71, 9, David wrote that psalm in his old age and he said, cast me not aside in my old age. Do not forsake me when my strength is gone. And David, who had been through so many things in his lifetime, he had been through so many people that tried to take his own life. And there he was at the end of his life, and all he wanted for God's presence to be with him. And that's what our residents are longing for. Well, Steve, thank you very much for for joining us today on Biblical Perspectives of Aging. And I think that's a good word for any of us and all of us, regardless of what age is that, regardless of what's going on, regardless of how many responsibilities we have, we need to be seeking God's presence and, and knowing that he is with us. So thank you for your words today. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us for this interview today. Baptist Homes and Healthcare Ministries has provided Christ-like care to the aging since 1913. To learn more about the biblically informed resources and solutions provided by Baptist Homes and Healthcare Ministries, go to www.thebaptisthome, that's all one word, .org. Again, www.thebaptisthome.org. You will find links to previous podcasts, a growing number of church resources, and detailed information about residential and long-term care communities. Until next time, this is your host, Dr. Andy Brams, asking you to be a voice for the aging.